Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, August 12th, 2019, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 255. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, back in the studio, Kato is here. Hi. Recharged, energized. (laughs) Woo! Woo! Pumped up. Ready to go. Raring to go. Uh Hi. Wow, we lost (laughs) it already. Also here, Danielle Riendo. How are you feeling, Danielle? Hi, hello. Good. Okay, I woke up with like a pounding headache. Hey, stupid. I was like, what the fuck? The fuck is this bullshit? But I'm okay. That's bad. I'm going to power through. We're all going to power through like I always do. This Monday, power through our headaches, power through the world. Rob Zachney, the the source of all power. How are you doing today? Doing really well. The uh, heat wave like is finally broken and we are having the best summer weather of Mm -hmm. the year. It's amazing. I haven't. I haven't Lovely. even. I, I haven't even wanted to bring it up, but it's been the best. Like, yeah, here for the last five days, I would say, and then like the schedule. Looking forward, the weather uh, uh, predictions. The the what do you climate? call it? Not the climate. The forecast. Forecast. The, forecast. <laughs> the climate still bad. Yeah. Forecast good. Climate not great. Climate not great. Not great. Uh, forecast this week: eighties and seventies. I could live like this, yeah, oh. forever. And like hell yeah, easy. Oh. You people easy. used to. Uh, yeah, wow. People, People used to used live to. like this. This was just the way the summer was sometimes. It wasn't 105 yeah. degrees. Okay, wow. Wild. I don't believe it. Yeah. It sounds fake. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I didn't remember lighter summers, I wouldn't believe it. I'm from Florida, so I know fucking summer's below 90. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Like, it's so nice. I just walk around forever. It's beautiful. It's uh, uh, and I, I guess I, I've been doing more of that than I have been playing video games this past uh, weekend, over the weekend, since the last recording even. Um, which means, like, I I mean, I guess I played some Rebel, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw some more. Nice. Uh, but other than that, I wasn't really I wasn't really dipping my toes in the virtual worlds that much. I will say. Around. Anything? Your feelings on Rebel Galaxy converging on anything? Yeah. You were a little bit like, could take or leave. I could take or leave. In, in some ways, they got better, which is uh, I figured out a button that I had missed before, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is the that's... B button lets you turn off your like inertial dampeners or whatever, the thing that lets you fly a spaceship as if it's just a fighter jet and lets you do like drifting in space and spinning 360 degrees. Hell yeah. And having that additional that's a good shit. control, yeah, actually made it <laughs> way more fun to dogfight. Mm. Um I've also I also progressed the story a little bit more, and I'm hitting up against similar things again. It's like I found this new little this little uh, 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 angle by which I was having fun, but now I've kind of crossed over again to like feeling stuff that stuff's getting repetitive. Mm. I I don't I need to know if there are more ships available to buy. Right now, it looks like there are five ships to mm. buy in this game. There's like the starting yeah. like tugboat. There's a kind of uh, 
uh, kind of base level, sh- like not shuttle, but a cargo ship basically. Mm-hmm. That's like a mid tier, you know, like something that you would think of in the vein of like a small shuttle craft or something. It has like a, a rear turret and a, and a decent amount of cargo space. Then there's like a small, tiny fighter that I'm in. It's like less cargo space, but very agile, a bunch of guns. Then there's like a huge cargo ship. And then there is like a mid sized fighter. That is like more guns, but slower than the other fighter, mm. and that seems to be it on all of the the like space uh, sectors I've been to, all of the solar systems I've been to. And I'm wondering if like there are rarer ships, or if the pirates have access to different ships, or mm. if because right now I'm where I want to be in terms of my build, and in a game that's kind of like an open ended like sandbox, I need I need yeah. goals to set for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And if there are those ships, they haven't advertised them to me in any way. Um, whereas even in Rebel Galaxy, the first one, I could see that there were these giant ships I wanted to, to fly uh, out the gate. I mean, the other half of this is every port is basically the the same. And t- Ooh, sorry, I'm getting some interference here. There we go. I've turned off my phone. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, every, every system I go to seems to be... Uh, the same in terms of, I mean, like it has different commodities for sale and different commodity prices. But in terms of like, I want to buy guns, I want to buy shields, I want to like upgrade my ship. Every dock has the same stuff. Uh, I haven't seen any variation. I haven't seen anywhere where it's like, oh, we have the best ion, ion cannons. And that stuff would help so much. Part of me wishes this was a loot game. Like, I don't wish it was a loot game. Mm-hmm. But the thing that makes me, mm-hmm. a thing I, I thought I had the other night while playing was like, what if I picked up rare ion cannons? Or what if I needed to t- have a different build for different missions? And most of the time, I don't need that. Um, I also just hit a mission, a story mission that was really hard. And I was like, eh, what if I'm done? <laughs> Instead of just trying to like force my way through this thing. What if I'm done? Um, but I don't know. I, I got to find space auntie. Yeah. Right? Well, no, you're playing a space auntie. You're playing in this one. Oh, you, are, right. you are younger space auntie. Um, and she's That's cool. Right. Sorry, seems dope. I've got it mixed up. I met a cool robot bounty hunter who I worked with. Like the story nice. stuff has been like fun flavor. Uh, nothing too deep, but mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the world seems all right. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I'm going to be done for now. Um, or like maybe I'll give it one more night while listening to podcasts or watching TV or whatever and just kind of like push a little bit further, but I'm, I'm not even sure what further is right now. Yeah, something would be something that can be tricky about games like this, and this goes all the way back to Privateer, is that when you have that open-ended structure, what you can't rely on for the most part is really involved mission design. Right. The way that mm-hmm. like the TIE fighters and free spaces of yep. the world could create like a scripted experience and sort of handcraft both the difficulty of the mission and then what the particular flavor of challenge is. But once you turn it into a little bit more of a RPG where your ship is your character, you run into that RPG but almost MMO-ish problem of fundamentally it's the same game. The numbers are just getting bigger. Yeah. And so like, yes, I just unlocked the the, you know, I just unlocked the ion cannon. But also all the other ships roughly scaled with that too. They're yeah. hitting harder to match my shields. And that can be kind of unsatisfying cuz th- then you realize like, oh, this is a treadmill and just the amount I've grinded on this treadmill is what determines whether or not I can play the next plot mission and advance the story. And that's a tough place to end up. That's exactly it. And especially because those plot missions have not been like a couple of them have had okay moments, but by and large, I'm not having that fun that I had with something like X-Wing or TIE fighter or wing commander even where it's like, Oh, what is the twist in this mission? 
I don't know. I like space. Yeah. Space is cool. Space is cool. Juno, <laughs> Juno Markev, who's the main character, seems cool. But there's just like not too much left on the bone for me. And I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that's that's kind of it in terms of video games for me. Uh, I'm curious what y'all have been up to, if anything, this week. <laughs> Danielle, have you have Gosh, you continued well, in on Anodyne? Yes, I have been in New Zealand. New Zealand. That's, that's the name of the world of Anodyne 2. Yeah, I put a few more hours in. Uh, I, I sort of got lucky because I got a little sick yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay. one of those things where I that's had planned a weird to way train. Of framing it, I mean. <laughs> I know. It's weird. My life is This what is it good. Is. I am stronger. I feel <laughs> improved morally. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a cyborg. But, uh, well, I'm clearly not because I get sick. But I, I was supposed to tra- I was supposed to go to, like, a queer open mat, then a class, then, like, a, you know, jiu-jitsu class, and then another open mat. I was supposed to train for, like, six hours yesterday. Uh-huh. But I got sick, so instead I played more Anodyne 2, yeah. which was also a good choice. It was also a good choice. Um, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. The, my first couple of hours in, uh, it was kind of like, I love this team. I love what they make. I talked about it on the podcast last time about, you know, sort of my journey with a lot of their games, and I know I'm going to like it. But some of the 2D, 3D stuff felt um, like the 3D world does open up a lot. But at first, it's really just this kind of like small city and everything is very uh, it, it looks both like like a Saturn game, like I talked about before, but like an early Saturn game, like things sure. are very blocky, very simplistic looking. Uh, and it does look in some places like All Our Ages, which was really an experimental game. So it's kind of like, okay, this is an interesting mix of like this like pseudo experimental 3D, which looks cool and it has like a really cool feel to it. Uh, but it, it really feels slightly weird with the very tightly designed kind of 2D Zelda dungeons. And I enjoy both of those things. I thought maybe they're mixing a little oddly. But the game has hit something of a stride for me. You know, once you kind of go out into the open world, uh, and it's not like an open world, of course, but a more open overworld. Uh, right. and you can go to sort of people and, you know, the the levels, quote unquote, in any order that you'd like to, which is pretty cool. Um, it really opens up quite a bit and it it it's its stride in a lot of ways. Um, and it also has this really interesting sort of mid-game area. I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but where it's more heavily focused on the 2D stuff and the story kind of kicks into gear a little bit more, uh, which is nice. I do think some of the writing is a bit overwrought. Uh, that That's definitely sort of a, a, a pitfall for when you're creating yeah. whimsical worlds and whimsical characters and all this kind of stuff. So there are times where I'm like, OK, OK, OK. All right. I've, I've got it. I've got the dialogue. All right. You're writing a song. <laughs> Okay, we're we're in it, you know. Uh, but I am really enjoying both the two D and three D aspects at this point. There's a really beautiful and interesting world here that I I sort of um, okay. If Breath of the Wild was a two person hyper indie <laughs> game, <laughs> like hyper indie, and I really mean like two people Not, made this game. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I've seen the credits. Two people made this game. Like that scale of massive open-ended world, it would be something like this, which is really, really awesome. And there's a lot of secrets in the overworld. There's a lot of areas where you can do platforming on like, oh, there's this cool waterfall. I wonder what happens if I kind of get to the top of this. Or, oh, there's a weird little underwater area. I wonder what will happen if I go to this. So there is that sort of joy of exploration from early 3D games that I loved and adored. Uh, And there is also like, 
the 2D dungeons are really good and all of them are exploring different ideas about either the story, like this is going into somebody's mind, body, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, like, for example, there is a cool dungeon fairly early on where you're going into the scientist's brain and he has created some sort of weird little doppelganger and how that translates into the gameplay is you're always on one side of the screen and this doppelganger is on another side of the screen and, and you're both having to navigate at the same time. It's almost like the... Um, if you played Captain Toad, the areas where you are right, multiple right. toads yeah, 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 and yeah. you have to like control all. Same, I'm doing like weird same, hand motions. Yes, but, you are. <laughs> using the same like input. But you control at, like, both of them. At the same time, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, totally. exactly. And you're both navigating things on e either side of the screen, that kind of thing. So it's really, really cool. Really rad. Um, I'm probably two thirds or so through the game. So I still have a little bit more to go, but I, I'm, I'm falling in love. As I knew I would. I, I'm not surprised by my reaction <laughs> at this point. Awesome. Well, yeah. you will, by yeah. the time this goes up, I think you'll probably have a review up on the site or at least yeah. a piece up on the site. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't gone back over it yet to see, like, oh, hey, is this a review? Probably a piece. Probably a piece? Okay. Yeah, more of an essay. More of an essay but, than yeah, a either. Okay. Either uh, or. <laughs> well, well, that'll be up on the site if you want a deeper uh, analysis from, from Danielle. So check that out. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Rob and Kato, y'all are both still on the Fire Emblem train. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's dig in a little bit. What's what's up with Fire Emblem right now? I'm really mad. Oh boy. Oh no. I spent all this time and effort really trying to be a good friend to Dudu. Oh boy. Oh, no. Dudu's a retainer. I guy. fucking didn't know that. You can never recruit retainers. <laughs> Every time you talk to them, they go like, also, wait, what do you mean you were trying to be a good friend? You literally can't do anything. No, you can invite him to meals and shit. Yeah, of course, but you can, when you go up to talk to them, you can't do I there's didn't not even a realize menu. that the menu was, I, I don't know what I did, but I'm like, how, I don't know how many oh, months right. in, I'm, like, I'm fucking into this game. And every time I go oh. in, I've been inviting him to cook because I know he likes to cook. I did it the first time and it was like, oh, he likes this. That's sick. Let's cook. We cook every meal together. We have. <laughs> Ah! Kato. Oh. I just wanted him to oh. be on my team. No. <laughs> oh. Love he to is... get catfished by my dad. <laughs> Kato. Uh, I don't I could have sworn the first time I talked to everyone. I thought I saw a, re a, re a, a recruit no. button at some point, no. somewhere, sometime. The retainers can't they can't. they are they are the ones. It was a retainer God. button. Let me the tell you about a little class called the Blue Lion. <laughs> oh. Yeah, if you want to be to do friends so bad, God I mean, damn it! <laughs> it's worth it. It is. It is a journey worth taking. I think it's easily like the best part of this uh, of this playthrough. Like the the day do dynamic with everyone else is yeah. really good. Being yeah, being Davey's friend is good times. Uh, I think it single handedly <laughs> justifies playing the game. Uh, I haven't played everything, but it's it seems safe to say that it is the best thing in Fire Emblem Three Houses. And uh, if you can't be Davey's friend, really, you should probably just start over. Yeah, and uh, blow away all the progress. Hit, hit the reset. Because progress towards Kata? what? Kata? Just sucking Kata? the just Claude. You're good. That's what good. I'm going to tell you. Okay. You're good. All right. Don't I worry figured. about it. I figured. Don't worry about it. I figured. You know, I just like, it was very funny listening to I it. will say <laughs> I left this game feeling, despite going Golden Deer, feeling strongly about to do. Good. The do seems dope. Great. That's my, that's the title of my op-ed. <laughs> to do, to do seems, seems dope. dope. Seems dope. Um, so, um, yeah. Which is not, uh, yeah. 
I'm not going to talk about spoilers. I'm not going to talk about what happens. Yeah. Uh, but I am going to just say the do seems dope. I uh, I had a the do gets his due <laughs> in, <laughs> in the Golden Mirror storyline. Yeah. He does. He gets his due. That's 100%. Great. That's great. Uh, you had a tweet you said, or you had a what did you I, had a, I had a tweet go get popular over the weekend about Congra- Fire Emblem. Congratulations. Wow, he went right up to the precipice of saying go viral and uh, he was like, hit the brakes on that train of thought like so hard. It just it just surprised me because it was very simple and I assumed everyone else noticed this thing when it came up. This uh, is a small spoiler. Oh, the fire emblem. The fire emblem. Yeah, of course. Like, but a, all of the mentions on that are people being like, oh my God, Phoenix what? Down moments, yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, Which is hilarious. Do you want to explain this? For yeah. Them? So in this game, there's these things called crests that certain like it's like bloodlines have these crests associated with them, apparently. Um, and they give you powers sometimes. And the one that your main character has is the crest of flame to which I immediately mm. screen capped, posted on the Internet and said, so like an emblem a, f- a fire. A fire. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently a lot of people miss this, which I think is very funny. Um, fire emblem. Fire I had that same hey, thought. I wasn't sure. I was like, is that, is that the is fire that emblem? Is that like, the I need somebody to lean over and whisper, <laughs> that's, that's the fire emblem. Oh, you know what I did this weekend? I watched the last couple of scenes of Chappie. That movie fucking rules. Good. Uh, that's Aww. all. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but no, that's the fire. Em- Every fire emblem game has a fire emblem. Right. right. It's a different right. thing in each game. Um, it is not always the same that. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's not even shown. You know yeah, what I mean? Sometimes it's like the family crest of an important house, and it's like mm. described once or something. You know. Um, but and and other times it's like, oh, this is a fucking. Sword, right? <laughs> this is the magical sword. It's called the Seal of Flames or whatever, you know. But there's always a fire emblem <laughs> of some sort. Good, that's uh, great. So mm. yeah, that is. That hey, is. that's the name of the game. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, besides the do being good, this, 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 uh, besides the fire emblem showing up, are y'all both still on board? Yeah, I know it's only been a few days, Rob, since I checked in with you, but you're still having a good time. Well, I just rounded like 32 hours into the Fuck. game, so oh, nice. like I God am, damn. I am flying. Um, just had some Jack Lemon look like motherfucker go bad on me. Yo, I had, to, had to sort that situation out. Uh, and then there was a really good reveal where like the Pope lady says something to you that yes. legitimately brought me to a screeching halt. Yeah, like, we literally. Were like, uh, I was like, wait, what did, sorry. Uh, what did you pick in the dialogue? I know exactly the point you're talking about. I'm not going to say it out loud because yeah. people are still playing this game. But there's a there's a point where where there's a slip, basically, right? Yeah. Is that the, the point you're talking about? I played it super casual. And right, I was good. like, oh, gosh, I guess I just hadn't heard that um, before. Wait, I, yeah, I guess, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I played it super. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, like, that I had suspected dope. this a couple sure. times, but yeah. But that is the thing that works. That's the, one of the things that's so wild about the writing in the in Three Houses is most of the time things are unfolding in ways that are not completely shocking. It's not out of mm-hmm. left field. It's 
oh, yeah, 13 hours ago, I had this brief spark of a thought <laughs> that was like, I wonder if... And then when that gets confirmed, it gets confirmed in a way that is actually kind of masterful in the way it's deployed. Because things like this, the thing, there's a moment that Rob is talking about where a character reveals something true about the world to you. Um, and like Rob, I, had a pretty, I was like, I wonder if earlier it seemed like that might be the case. But the way it is not like a huge lore dump when that happens, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like added as, a, as another uh, element of the mystery. It, give, it, it doesn't make it seem like someone is pulling back like a piece of the tapestry so much as they're giving you more stuff to think and theorize about. Well, and I think this is something where the long-form nature of a game like this really plays into its favor because the game goes on long enough that you forget that stuff is significant, but it's become (laughs) part of the scenery. It becomes an assumption you no longer question. And so when when the game circles back around and says, like, hey, wait a second, this is weird, though, right? This is unusual to you. And you're like, holy hell, it is. Like, (laughs) you know, I haven't thought about it in 20 hours. Right. But... I've been busy leveling up my battalions or whatever, (laughs) and and actually what I should have been doing is thinking about the (laughs) A-plot. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, Another thing, so uh, Sylvain update. Yeah. (laughs) Still a fuckboy? So he's becoming a really interesting character in ways that Mm. maybe, like, the game might adore this guy way too much. Like, Uh he's just kind of good at everything. But it also increasingly seems to be pointing out like in a direction that maybe there's a Prince Hal type situation happening with this guy. Mm. Cause he's had a couple interactions with other characters and he, when he is left alone and the scene doesn't end with the end of the conversation, but you see him by himself and it's his internal monologue. He is revealed to be a perhaps angrier and more revolutionary character oh. than anyone I've met in the game. Interesting. Huh? Yeah, like huh. he is, like there are a couple times, and and once he lets a, lets the mask the mask slip with another character that he doesn't mean to. Um, there is a point the scene. I don't think the scene works super well. There is a point where he's hanging out with um, Annette, who is this uh, young mage with blue lions, mm-hmm. and she's working really hard on a spell book, and he just takes one look at it and solves a really hard problem, <laughs> and then he kind of does the like. Oh, you know, I'm just, you know, I get, I didn't do anything special there. I guess I'm just naturally good at this. Ha ha ha. Uh-huh. And it's, it's uh-huh. like, he's an incredibly annoying archetype at that moment. Uh, the dude who's like going to swoop in and explain a woman's work to her. Right. Mm-hmm. And also like, is just better at it than she is. Like, from a writing standpoint, I don't love the approach, but the thing that might salvage the scene is that Annette doesn't buy it. Right. She's like, no, you did. She's like, there's no way you just looked at this and deduced that. There's no way that you just did a cold read of this book, of this textbook. Because <laughs> I'm fucking smart. To this. I, I know what it's taken to get me to this point. You're hiding. Yeah. Something. And she's like, yeah, she's like, are you secretly busting ass on all of this <laughs> when nobody's looking? Right. And he's like, no, I, you know, you're better at this. Like, I just got lucky is all. Well, I have to go. <laughs> um, I've got flirting to do and he just wow. like, jetpacks out of the conversation. But there've been a few times where Sylvain seems like genuinely that part of me that like was looking at this game and was like, this school sucks. This society sucks. <laughs> like I might hate all of this. Sylvain is increasingly the character, maybe giving expression to that. Huh? I can't believe they made Kaji a character. <laughs> in Final I was, 
Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but based on what I did last time, I was like, oh, I should. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's just cause. That's just too. No, but Kaji's good. Yeah, the Kaji's good. God, fuck. Well, I, I like. I, I'm slowly coming to terms with the fact that I probably will not play those other routes yeah. this year, and I'll just have to let other people do it, and we'll talk about it when it's done. That seems like when the does most- the game get hard? I think. Like how like I'm like as a Fire Emblem newbie, here's the thing I don't get. Yeah. As the tactics game, I'm just rolling over everything. And yeah. it's like it's fun. It's a visual you, novel thing the where thing like there's just can, enough to, Yeah, the thing that you can do to make it harder is to stop doing side stuff, right? It only gets hard if you're not like maxing out all the side stuff, doing the paralogue or keep doing the paralogs because mm. there's good story stuff there. But like if all you're doing is the main missions and you're like a level or two behind all the time, that's gonna be the only time. I think the mission design gets more interesting, but it does not necessarily get more difficult um what it ends up doing is giving you more space to play with the tools that you have in fun ways but like ah, i don't i never was at a point especially because you start to unlock more divine pulses i actually got sloppier as the game continued because i was like fuck it man i have 10 divine pulses (laughs) like um, let's just let's just play around (laughs) um and and so my advice to you is either i mean you can't knock the difficulty up is the problem that's the thing that I wish you could do. I wish you could turn up from normal to hard because I bet hard would be serving you better at this point. Um, but also, I'm not going to ask you to replay the first 30 hours of this game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seen- that'll, that'll be for my Empire playthrough. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so maybe that's the, the secret here is like just bust ass through this, just like run through the rest of Blue, Blue Lion and then get to your Empire playthrough that is going to be harder by nature of it being on hard, you know? Yeah. Um, you're playing on yeah. classic at least though, I'm guessing, which is like a little bit yeah. more tension, but yeah, I, I, I'm not like, but I've, I've never really, it's never really what I've come to fire them for. I've gone to other tactics games for that difficulty. Um, again, because the difficulty in past fire Emblem games was mostly felt by me making a, a decision that wasn't about like, tactical error so much as the invisibility of information being right. punished for that and then yeah. you need to restart a mission and make the same first 15 moves again exactly you know like that. that's not yeah. good difficulty that's frustrating difficulty that doesn't necessarily right. or or i i enjoyed those games with that difficulty i left it in classical mode i liked the tension of feeling like i might lose someone but i given a choice that's not what i would prefer um yeah. i've seen this suggestion floating around that if you're inter- in, if you're already into tactics game, hard but casual is a good place to start. Interesting. If, you, if this is your first Fire Emblem coming off other coming off of like stuff. XCOM or, fi- or, yeah, or yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics or something, and then uh, then like other playthroughs, you turn ca- uh, classic back on. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Hard casual. That's how That's I roll. It. I like That's it. how I think so. Um, mm-hmm. Any other Fire mm-hmm. Emblem thoughts, or should we head to a break? We'll keep checking right. in every week on Fire Emblem because yeah. if we don't, then what we'll have the Earth will spin off of its <laughs> axis. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I'm really happy that people are enjoying it, and I'm so curious to see how the back half shakes out for Rob uh, as the only person I know in the world who's playing as the Blue Lions. <laughs> uh, it sounds good. Wow. Dadu's not- only friend. Dadu's oh. only friend, Rob Zachney. Oh, damn it. Rob and Dadu oh. just hanging out. <laughs> All right, we will be right back after this break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we are back. Rob, I, I hear you've been to space a little bit also, uh, in a, a sense. A little bit. Uh, it sounds like, so you've told me you've played two different games. Uh, I think there's a place yeah. here for one of those jokes that's like, um, you've played a game where the uh, the crushing superstructure and the um, indifference of of space and of uh, machines and of the world and, and the universe has shown you how fallible and easy to, to you know, uh, uh, die humans are and how replaceable they are. And you've also played System Shock 2. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, played, that's the process, everybody. You got a front row seat to it. That's there it. it is. Do that. And then, but I'm typing it so I'm faster there and then I delete a bunch of it. Yeah. And then I go, and then this is the trick. Then I Google it or I Twitter, I search for it on Twitter to see if someone's made the joke already. Yes. And then I retweet it mm-hmm. if it's already been made. And if it hasn't already been made, then I make it. Uh, that's all. That's the, that's it. That's the that's process. That's how you write. That's how to be <laughs> a writer. Be a writer. Exactly. Check to make sure you're not, you're not like just duplicating someone else's work. And if you are, give them their due. Um, be a writer. Just stay on Twitter. Search stuff. Search stuff. Uh, post good tweets. That's it. <laughs> Writing... What's I mean, that? tweeting is writing. Tweeting is writing. Tweet, yeah, that tweeting is, is that's poetry. short form. Yeah, that's you right. So, uh, micro, micro fiction, micro prose. Well, mm, no, micro prose already uh, a different thing. Yeah, a different thing already. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Uh, I made a tweet recently. I made a joke tweet recently that I was shocked no one else had made. Um, it was like one of those things that I like. I did search for and was just like confused that no one had made. I was like, I guess it's gonna be me then. I guess I'm gonna be the one who fucking makes it. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember what that tweet is. <laughs> so, oh no, this is a, a useless diversion. Well, that was a bad detour. <laughs> what the fuck was it? I don't. How, how, Kyle, how you you can it? clean this up, right? No, leave clean. it. Leave it. <laughs> leave it. Uh, who knows? Rob, tell us about either System Shock Two, which you're revisiting, or Oxygen Not Included, the other game we were talking about uh, in that introduction. What was what? What are you, are you having fun, or do you just want to suffer right now? Not that this is um, bad, but that is absolutely a game about being made to suffer. Yeah, I think part of it is as Fire Emblem has been such such a breeze in yeah. some ways, just a just a pleasurable curl up on the couch and uh, in, enjoy some good socializing with some cool kids. <laughs> I think S- System Shock Two has been kind of a useful counterpoint, right? A little bit of uh, yeah. bitter to the sweet. And I have been like, I am always surprised how well that game holds up when I do go back to revisit it. Uh, It's something I've played a lot since it came out. It was something that I was really excited about when it, when it first, uh, I remember vividly like the PC gamer review that came out in 99 and uh, leafing through that in a driver's ed class uh, instead of paying attention to literally anything that was happening around me. (laughs) 
Um, I played racing games. I was fine. Like I didn't need. Like, I, I didn't do. need a driver's ed class. Yeah. What What could they teach me that Papyrus already hadn't? <laughs> um, but what I've been really kind of impressed by as I've been playing System Shock Two is just how the game never looks like I remember. Like the, like everything is so much huh. chunkier and blockier and like it just is never quite the game I remember it being. And then that initial kind of um, lack of familiarity, that sort of alienation I feel from the game quickly fades away and it starts getting really creepy and intense in some ways. And I think I think playing through it now... I think what's dawned on me is that there's kind of an uncanny valley, I think, that exists, or at least something like the curve of the uncanny valley exists in game graphics, but particularly around horror, Yeah, where mid-2000 stuff looks really rough. Like, that, I think, tends to be the hardest era for me to go back to, Mm -hmm. uh, because it is really striving closer and closer toward what we considered the goal then to be like photorealism, uh, just, just a more realistic, convincing portrayal of a game's reality and stuff since then has increasingly bridged that gap. Like every year stuff looks more and more convincing, looks more and more like the literal object it's trying to represent. And then stuff before that, because it is so abstracted, because it is like struggling to get across these ideas with a really limited tool set, in some ways, I think it ends up traveling better across time. Like it ends up landing better with you today than stuff that was made on more advanced uh, platforms. And I think System Shock 2, as I've been playing it, I think... There is something, there is there is kind of a sweet spot effect happening with System Shock 2. It being, maybe, is it the last game on the uh, Dark Engine that Looking Glass had? I is think it? it might be. Was there not a Thief uh, game after so, that? I guess not. I don't think there no, was one I, on the Dark Engine. Because so. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Looking Glass totally was right. gone by the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. So, it ends up like it's a little bit of a dated engine. No, that's the, not true. Thief 2. Thief 2 is 2000. Sorry. Oh, is oh, it? Just yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. System Shock is 99. Remember, very close. For some they're, reason, they're, I remember it being Thief 2 and then... Yeah. Me too, but no, Thief 2 is after System Shock 2. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, this is all um, weird. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they're yeah. so close. Like, but, Right, but but there's... And, and probably developed somewhat concurrently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of just the way that game looks, everything is incredibly crude and the textures I think in particular the textures all just look really stretched and weird in that game but in the end I think that makes everything feel more alien and more horrifying and the way I remember the game is mostly in terms of how I think the game wants these monsters to come across right Mm -hmm. like I don't really remember uh, for instance like probably the the character I find scariest in the game is the cyborg midwife. Yeah. And that is an enemy that's revealed in the third level, the hydroponics deck, uh, which is a really good and terrifying level. But the cyborg midwife is this really crude, awkward looking character model. 
Uh, it is meant to be like evoke a young woman who's been like plugged into a bunch of cybernetics and like surgically modified. But in the way the game portrays that, it's kind of a lot of blocky gray metallic pixels and then some like bloody red striated muscle, uh, you know, t- like textures up above. And it looks very looks very weird. Uh, it's very hard to actually perceive any real features to it. But in the way I remember it, all the gaps are kind of filled in in Mm. my head. Like I kind of remember the monster as being what the story tells you it is, which is a group of nurses who were effectively uh, slowly abducted and, uh, you know, turned into servants of these like alien eggs on the hydroponics deck by this uh, increasingly uh, mad scientist character who was running, running the deck. And the entire storyline of that level is the the revelation of what this guy is up to and what he's doing and and the the role it plays in, in causing everything to go to go bad. But so even though the model doesn't suggest a lot of this, there's something indefinite about the way it looks, hmm. and then things that are really specific about the audio cues around it uh, that end up making it a really palpable kind of horror for me. In a way that, like, I think if you made a much more modern version of this, where, like, you could perfectly model and render the idea of, oh, this is somebody who was involuntarily, like, transformed into a cyborg. I think that could look like kind of corny and RoboCop. And it wouldn't, you know what I mean? It wouldn't necessarily carry that same, it wouldn't necessarily land on the same level. To that point, uh, uh, earlier in our Slack today, uh, Rob, you linked... (laughs) this terrible version of it from uh, a mod from like a, a kind of a, the, the rebirth, the rebirth mod, mod, right? Yep. Uh, where I mean like the, the big super, dis- there's a bunch of things that are, that are like super distinct, but basically it's like they took these, this character design, this, this monster design that is like, Oh, okay. This is a person who's been abducted, who is, um, whose elements of their design are still absolutely meant to be feminine, right? Like the cyborg midwife yeah. of the original model has very, very like comically wide hip, metallic hips have been installed. Yep. Um, uh, they've made they've made her into. It also doesn't have a face. Important thing: the skin on the original cyborg midwife's face has been pulled off, so so almost looks like. Uh, a, um, a, for some reason, they re- they remind me of the aliens from Mars Attacks, which are like these big <laughs> bulging <laughs> eyes. Because, yeah. of the, because of the way yeah. their face looks, um, the the new model boobs out. Uh, f- definitely has a face like her long hair, hair is like. Yep. this is just a a, a porn model. This face is a porn and model hair. face. Clearly, a hundred percent. I mean, like the most distinct thing is. In the old model, the, the metal goes up to to the boobs and like has you know there's a degree to which it looks like it's just like a metallic like bra on or something I guess. Yeah. But yeah. the new model on this from this mod doesn't even do that. The metal stops at the waist and torso up is just skin and skin and bones, just flesh. It's just like that's just those are just boobs right yeah. there, uh, and it's corny. It's and a power corny. Glove. And a power glove. You're right. Sorry, <laughs> they also included. She a does power have a power glove. glove. What the hell does she have in her left hand? I think that's oh, just no, a person that's, on the that's ground. Something on the ground. Yeah, behind. It does look oh, like she's holding a Barbie. Oh, I see. I see. I think that's just a, a body on the ground behind her. Gotcha. Yeah, I zoomed in, and yep, that's what that is. I thought she it's was like, so bad. she had a flesh stick or something. I don't know. Don't and know. a lot of the character models in that rebirth are like similarly bad. It's this attempt to, well, I need to make everything look realistic. Right. But you actually don't, right? Like, that's that's the thing. What you're, what you're trying to get across is 
there are people being turned into unholy cyborgs. There's people who have basically been infected by like an alien collective and are slowly uh, being turned into an alien monster, but have just enough vestigial humanity. This isn't, I don't know how you realistically render a lot of this stuff. I think it, it ends up, but, but I think a lot of games that post-date System Shock 2 end up trying to in some ways. They end up trying to portray like, ah, this is how it would look if you were doing this with like practical effects in, yeah. in, a, in a movie. System Shock 2 can't play that game. And so what it has to do is rely a lot on the impression something gives you in motion and at a distance and let... I can't stress this enough. Let the audio do the work mm-hmm. too. This is this is a game that is uses sound very very well, and still does. And I think one of the things that makes it work is you will hear these monsters way way more often than you see them. Like mm-hmm. when you see them, uh, usually that means there is a very fast combat sequence about unfolding. Like the it, you do not get into shootouts with these things. Uh, they they come and they either mess you up or you mess them up, and it ends very quickly. Most of the time, the way they exist is as a distant animation you see and mm-hmm. a couple audio cues you hear. And all that stuff is deeply freaking disturbing, and that is – you just sort of ruminate that on that in your in your head – uh, far more than you spend like considering the actual model or what these things look like. And so I think that makes it feel a little bit more convincing to me as a horror game than, say, Dead Space 2. Uh, sorry, not Dead Space 2. Dead, Dead Space, uh, which feels very much like it's drawing from lessons of System Shock. I don't think the horror resonates with me as much. Really? You look at like, oh, it's the baby enemy. The yeah. baby head with yeah. the spider legs. Like... Okay, eh. that's scary, but it, there's, but it doesn't is you know what I mean? Like it's it's a piece of concept art that's like creepy, but it doesn't live outside of that. If that makes sense, yeah. For what it's worth, so one of the reasons that that the timing on this is great is that Night Dive Studio just announced, that, I think it's Night Dive, right? That they would be doing an yes. enhanced edition of System Shock Two. Um, uh, I did just see, uh, or I guess is, is the enhanced? They're also just remaking System Shock Two, right? They're making so they're remaking System Shock One. Got you right. Okay, and that is a as I understand that's going to be a really involved effort into basically making System Shock One into a modern immersive sim. Yeah, right. I don't know. That's a weird territory, right, Danielle? I mean, that game's UI itself is just like how how do you Brilliant people, brilliant designers exist who who could do this. But that game was so much about its like insane UI and managing that in any given system, in any given system, any given scenario. You're talking basically. about the first System Shock, there, yeah, with the, the, with the UI because the, the UI is so distinct from what we think of as yeah. immersive sim UI contemporarily, which is that you know most immersive sim stuff now. I mean, especially in the post Bioshock world is like pretty minimal. Maybe there's some like weapon or like gadget or power wheels. But like at any given moment, you are just looking at like the world, like a first person shooter. But the original System Shock UI had much more uh, in common with something like wizardry or other around you. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There's like there's like a and um, a kind of view screen in the middle of the screen that lets you see the world around you. But then was surrounded by just 
excessive UI <laughs> with maps mm-hmm. and menus and, you know, a uh, list of what you had installed or what you had available to you. Such a different thing. I'm Which so curious. Which exact posture was your character in? Right. Uh, right. Were you? Yeah. Li- yeah. Like you had lean, lean crouch. Right. Roll. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a ridiculous game, but also it is so systems intensive because uh, mm-hmm. this this was kind of the, I guess, in some ways, probably the more influential looking glass game that's that in retrospect, the most influential one was probably Thief mm-hmm. because that did go much more minimalist. That did go much more. You are like sort of immersed in the moment and the number of things you need to track is, is pretty simple. It's mostly about using things in the environment uh, to figure out like how to go about your mission. But system shock one reminds me a lot of like Terra Nova, which was like looking glass games. The other, the other sort of character that they could have was kind of this real fixation on involved intricate systems, right? Where you weren't just a character who was running around like, ah, I see a thing and I shoot at it, but was instead, well, what if everything sort of operated like a flight sim or something like that? That's how System Shock feels. It's Mm -hmm. like it's a first-person shooter, but what if you were controlling a really advanced mech sim yeah. in that game. Yeah. And it feels super weird when you go back to it. It is a, it is a, this is why I tend to prefer system shock Two. system shock Two, I can just go back and I can play that. I'm like, I, I inhabit that space, uh, sort of natively from a design standpoint. When I went, when I go back and play system shock one, it is cool, but it's also alien in a way. Oh, this is a different evolutionary branch than right. I ended up living in. Right. Can we can we just quick shout outs to Terra Nova Strike Force uh, Centauri, the the game you just mentioned, which is uh, also a Looking Glass Studio game, is a mech game that the people who made System Shock made, or the same studio anyway. Um, yeah, that was filled with FMV, just <laughs> early nineties, mid nineties FMV shit all the way through that game. Um, someone should, I mean. I think Night Dive has the the rights, uh, or did, did they republish the original version of it? They should do an enhanced edition of that uh, with all yeah, the same. Yeah, it's FMV. a very cool game. <laughs> Please, yeah. Um, Not even remaster or anything. Just no, don't even remaster. Just, just give me the same FMV, same <laughs> stamp, stamp, you know, stamp sized video. Please, definitely stretch it to full screen. Though. Oh yeah, <laughs> On an please. HD, just ah! full pixels. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just want to f- be bathed in pixels. Uh, God. Um, Delicious. The other space game that you are, you've been playing, uh, I'd love to hear about that too, Rob. If you want to talk about it, you just like shook your head oh, as gosh. if you were afraid to talk about <laughs> oxygen not included. Yeah, space. it's what's uh, Tyler Sigmund from Red Hook Studios uh, described it really well to me on Twitter. He said it's dwarf fortress for people who organize their fridge by atomic weight. Oh my god. Wow. And that is not a bad summary of Oxygen okay. Not Included Which in is some a ways, but Clay game that came out this year. Um Nicole Clark uh did a review for us a couple of months ago, actually, right? Yeah, and I think she so she understood the game. So you should read her review <laughs> uh, from somebody who had spent like uh, over a year, sort of like internalizing this game. Because for me, the so there's this really memorable sequence in the Expanse. I think season two or three, 
where this botanist is describing how a space station, even though it is still functioning, is already doomed. He's, he's explaining how like all the systems need to be in balance. This artificial ecosystem doesn't have a lot of resilience. Everything needs to be working in the correct proportions. And any sort of disruption in that loop, in that cycle, means that that disruption will propagate through the entire system. And so a small deviation becomes on the next rotation, a larger deviation until the entire thing oscillates out of control and everything flies apart. That's oxygen not included. And (laughs) as far as I can tell, most of the game is just seeing how far you can figure, like how far you can get before the oscillation begins to like break up your, your space station. But it's very much in a, uh, you, you've kind of got an ant farm view of all these like space colonists and you have like the, you have to make sure their life support needs are met. And as the population increases and as you can't rely, as you increasingly have to begin generating resources on your own rather than like relying on what you imported initially, Mm-hmm. Sort of the initial solutions that you're given, for instance, like waste disposal starts as an outho- outhouse. Eventually, you need like serious plumbing. You need, and also that stuff needs to be repurposed into ways that it can service, um, you know, water treatment, uh, agriculture. All these things need to work together. But as you begin, you don't tear up everything at the same time, you research mm-hmm. it bit by bit. And so the other part of this is you will have more advanced technologies come into play before all the supporting technologies you really need to make it work are, mm. are really completed. Gotcha. And th- so this is the other thing is as you're upgrading your space station, increasingly the early stuff that you have becomes a liability for you, but you can't take it offline because you can't replace it all immediately you're kind of stuck with it so it's it's also kind of a crumbling space infrastructure game (laughs) and that is it turns out a way way harder proposition than your typical city builder which is a clean slate right you can always just oh i got new stuff i'm just gonna put this in this will give me bonuses to food production to living capacity all that uh here it's Damn, unfortunately, the best living quarters I have are full of, uh, you know, trash, old pipe work, uh, just completely inadequate facilities. But if I tear it all down and blow it away, immediately I've, I've, I've cut to the bone of this, of this colony and I'm going to run into trouble unless my rebuild goes perfectly, which it probably won't because <laughs> this is also a game of small changes having unintended consequences. Uh, for instance, you know, you accidentally breach a wall into an underground reservoir and instead of having a nice pool of fresh water, you've actually just flooded your entire space station. And uh, now everyone is just wading through contaminated water and getting sick. Wow. Love it. Love I'm reading the live. review and I'm just like, yeah, there there are... Apparently levels to the levels to the levels to the levels here. That is whew, probably really addicting, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like this style of um, 
like colony builder or or like simulation, you know, uh, kind of social simulation games, things like Dwarf Fortress, yeah. and uh, you know, I early on in its on its development, I played a ton of RimWorld uh, before it was very clear about what that do, how that dude was, uh, and still dipped into it <laughs> afterwards because I was like, hey, I have this game already. I already bought this fucking game. Let me play a little bit more of it. Uh, um, <laughs> this guy sucks, and the way gender and gender and sexuality are implemented, fucking blow. But RimWorld still was fun, so I kept playing it and felt guilty about it. Um, but there is something about Oxygen Not Included that f- scares me, um, uh, and like I, to the degree that I personally would rather play Dwarf Fortress and see my dwarves, you know be devoured by saber-toothed tigers or be destroyed in a cave-in see? or flood. Hmm? See? See what? See or read about. Play. Yeah. No, I just mean the <laughs> the biggest gotcha. barrier for that game has always been the, the like, Oh, no, you, there's, there's great, no, there's fantastic tile sets at this point already. Sure. People play that, like, the... That's what I meant by, see, do you really see them get... You do, anything? no, they're, they're, absolutely you do. Like, yeah. I, I, I resist... Dwarf Fortress is a, is a difficult game to get into because it is a rare type of game to play. Uh, it is not a thing that is, that is, like, like a lot of other games. Uh, and I think that, like, we lean into talking about it as obscurantist and and its tiles uh we talk about like ascii art instead of talking about the fact that it has very pretty tile sets at this point that do communicate like atmosphere and space and tone um just as much as like any really really good roguelike does those Uh, come with the game now you'd easily download those things and also there is the steam version that's supposed to come out sometime in the near future um that has them built in but like there are very simple guides to getting into dwarf fortress at this point and it does not mean that you will have like the ridiculous high-end super Dwarf Fortress player experience out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout-outs to Jack DeKeet, a uh, friend of the site, former, you know, who's written for the site before. They are currently uh, doing a like Dwarf Fortress for Beginners stream series that is fantastic. Oh, nice. That is them learning the game uh, alongside with you that's like 100% built in a way that ignores the discourse around that game and its difficulty and instead is like about figuring out things to enjoy inside of that space. Regardless, my point is I would rather play Dwarf Fortress, which is still a difficult game in terms of like even if you know how to play the game it can be difficult to succeed Mm -hmm. then Oxygen Not Included which is a game from one of my favorite developers Clay um, that puts me off because I'm I think I am just less interested in building the machine that works I don't want to play Factorio Um, Mm -hmm. I want to play the game that's about personalities clashing do you know what I mean? I want to play the game. That, and I'm not saying this has none of that stuff. There is there is some clear differentiation between characters. And I'm certainly not saying that this game shouldn't find an audience. It seems super well made. It seems like it is built to have that nice overlap between systems management and, like, tinkering until the machine works. Um, and then the, like, fun interactions of characters who, like, clash in some ways or have different needs or whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, a part of me just... It, it is scary. I think you're totally right, Rob, that like seeing w- what the game expects in terms of like a well-functioning, you know, system is a little bit too, too much for me. I don't know. Is there, um, here's the other thing I'm thinking about now is <clears throat> when I think about these sorts of games, the ones that work best for me, even if you put like something like The Sims in this category, this broad category, which I think I would in terms of social simulation games, one of the things I like the most about them, and this is true for The Sims, for RimWorld, for Dwarf Fortress, is the sense that there is an outside world 
Um, that there is mm. something, you know, in Dwarf Fortress, every few years, a new, a new, you know, uh, wave of, of dwarves shows up, or a, you know, a wave of goblins or elves show show up. Um, there's a history. There's a, a space outside. In The Sims, you have next door neighbors. You have public spaces. Um, in Rimworld, you have neighboring tribes. You have new, you know, space pirates arriving. Stuff like that. Um, is there any sense of an outside world in in um, Oxygen Not Included? Or is it really like, here is your space colony, make it function as best as you can? So I can't speak absolutely on this because I am still struggling to survive like any kind of middle game effectively. <laughs> uh, but to me so far, it feels like there's nods in the direction of personality, but not necessarily in a way that makes it real and relevant to what you're doing in terms of building your base. And mm-hmm. so what you have are, they're called dupes in the game. Uh, they're sort of replicants who show up in the fabricator and form your colony. Yeah. Again, they show up at regular intervals and partly it's to be extra helping hands, but also it's partly to further burden <laughs> your uh, already overtaxed infrastructure. And so immediately like, hey, I've got a larger workforce. Oh, shit, I need to immediately start converting that into more resources. But what I don't get a strong sense of is that there's a story of a world uh, happening around me. Like it feels right right now for me, it's very much a it is very much a infrastructure and systems optimization game Hmm. and also countering the ways that the systems break down. But the personality is mostly implied, I think, to give you a bit of flavor. So this character is good at certain types of tasks. You see them have cute little conversations, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily create a narrative the way Dwarf Fortress is kind of infamous for creating. Mm -hmm. That's like the the worst way to get me involved, you know? That is, like, the thing <laughs> yeah. where... Which is fine, which is fine. It's just one of those things that's like, you know what? Good for me. I can go play Clay's other game in development right now, Griftlands, Griftlands. a game I like a lot that has gotten a lot of great updates that has a really cool world in it and a sense of character. And there's new shit? Yeah, there's new shit. Oh, shit. You get a pet dog now, a pet alien Yo. dog. You can get, uh, like, all the aliens have different cool special abilities. Like, you get a whole yeah. bunch of different shit. It's really... It's I, tell really me a good. little bit about this, because this sounds... Did you Pretty see cool. this at all? Did you see Grifflands? Oh, okay, so Grifflands is currently in alpha uh, on the, I think right now it's only on the Epic Store. It will be coming yeah. everywhere when it launches. Um, they have historically done their like alphas on different platforms. I think Don't Starve was just on the Chrome Store originally. You could only <laughs> it play it via <laughs> yeah. Chrome. Back like we did a stream. Wow. That's actually stream how I played it at ago. first. Yeah, 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 I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so it is a. I think I've given it a soft pitch before um, on here. I really like it a lot. Uh, it is a card-based – it is a. It is like a Slay the Spire. It's like a narrative Slay the Spire, okay. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It is a deck-building game, by which I mean that as you play the game, you uh, collect cards from succeeding at, at uh, conflict, like from succeeding at – I say conflict because it's fights, but it's also like negotiations or social conflicts. There's kind of a mm-hmm. battle sure. deck and also a social deck, a negotiation deck. And whenever you succeed at either of them, you get a new card. Uh, and then also you can get new cards from other things like events that are spread around this world map. Um, you are in the current build a bounty hunter who is kind of a bounty hunter or a fixer more generally um, who is trying to get revenge on this person who sent you to like the the kind of space mines uh, <laughs> who basically like sold you into space slavery and you're like you know what no fuck you I'm back and I'm coming to get mine 
Um, it is. Uh, it takes place in this really interesting world that is filled with with fascinating and like very smartly described factions who, whose, again, description kind of shows up very naturally, very organically in the way that characters talk about them. It reminds me a lot in the way that it's, it's kind of story stuff uh, progresses uh, of, um, what is this, what's the <coughs> fantasy sports game that we all liked for a few years ago? Oh, Pyre. Pyre. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Pyre in that, oh, nice. in that like, yeah. It does a lot of world building through very conversational dialogue, very naturalistic in the sense mm. that people just talk about their lives. And you as the player can mouse over certain terms to get a little bit more information. But it's never like open the lore Bible, you know, open the lore Bible, open the um, the galaxy encyclopedia to learn more about <laughs> the fish god or whatever. Right. Um, the core of it, the thing that I think makes it really cool is the the sp- I mean, I think the world is part of what brings me back to it. But the two decks idea, the idea that you have a battle deck that you're building out one style of play and then you have this negotiation deck and you're building out an entirely different style of play and the two types of card interactions are different. That like mm-hmm. the battle deck and the combat stuff feels a lot like Slay the Spire but with more characters on your side sometimes where you'll have like allies who go into fight with you. Um, and... That stuff's really cool. I've played more of it and I've hit like big boss fights or like mini boss fights where it's like been me plus four other characters or three other characters on my side up against like one giant boss. Oh, cool. I felt like a weird alien fish monster at some point. It was sick. Um, (laughs) That's the fish god. That's the fish god. I don't think it was actually Mm -hmm. the fish god, but now that I think about it, I bet if they worshipped, if you were people who worshipped the fish god, they wouldn't have liked that I fucked with their with that big fish. Yeah. Um, the, the Seems way, a safe bet. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's, it's just it's, Austin standing over a sacred fish. <laughs> just like dagger marks all over it. This is not going to play well. <laughs> no, we got to get out of here. Um, which is part of the thing that the game does really well. I mean, we talk about the combat stuff and the, the negotiation stuff, and then I'll talk about the social stuff, which it does do. Um, so... The combat stuff is pretty straightforward. You have like a deck of cards uh, or hand of cards and maybe that says like go do two damage or go do two damage plus one bleed and then next round they'll take one extra damage. Um, You also have like defense cards that you can play and target yourself or target an ally to defend them from incoming damage. Um, You know, it's again, if you think of something like Slay the Spire or if you think of something like what was the, uh, the other card game that came out this year that Patrick was playing through forever? Uh, Steam World, Steam, Steam World Quest, Quest. Oh, or yeah. if you think of um, any sort of card game that includes characters who are interacting with each other, so like sort of like Magic, um, but but longer term interactions, not just like here is a battle, it's over pretty quickly, you know, pretty quickly. Um, it's it's in that space, uh, and and you know, there's cool combos to build and different types of builds around. Okay, do you want to do poison type damage? Do you want to be a very defensive character? I had a build once that was all about setting my character up to get hit, but doing tons of counter damage, mm-hmm. where I would just have like every card I played increased the the amount of counter damage I would do, and I would just like stack that to the roof and then make it so that people were attacking me and not my allies somehow, and it was just like dealing back damage like wild. Nice. Um, that's the fun. negotiation like conflict stuff, the negotiation card game ends up being this other thing where you have to – it's kind of hard to explain. 
there's your opponent and you have HP, have resolve, right? But you also have other things that have HP called arguments. And these are things you kind of float up and that orbit around your character and that themselves can be targeted. So for instance, there's a there's a uh, skill that you can get pretty early on that gives your character a thing called awareness. And awareness means that you're going to do the best damage you can do with a certain card type. It's basically like, I'm going to be nice in this conversation. And so I have awareness. And uh, that awareness will slowly tick away over time. You'll have to kind of re-up it as like a pat, as a thing that you're you're doing with your turns. So you're like, okay, I'm always going to have awareness up, so I'm always doing max damage with my, like, be a nice person cards. Um, <laughs> you know, those are cards that are like, hear me out, buddy, or, you know, stuff that's just kind of like um, more about trying to, like, even the playing field or make it seem like you're coming from a good place. But your opponent can target your arguments and not just your HP, not just your resolve. And so they can like target your awareness, which fictionally is about like throwing you off your game and making it so that you're not like in the right frame of mind to do the best with the art, with the, with the cards you're going to play basically. Right. Um, So this is Twitter. It's Twitter. It's basically Twitter. Uh, It's like Twitter with more rules, which we know Twitter needs, honestly. (laughs) Though I think Twitter will eventually add more rules, but one of them won't be don't be a Nazi, unfortunately. So they'll still keep all the Nazis. Um, So, yeah. So so those are the two basic like modes. And the thing that ends up being really cool is in Griftlands, there is a sense that the world remembers what you do. Um, So... If you kill a character and that character has friends or that character is from a faction, there's a good chance those other the other members of that faction will not like you and will take immediate steps to harm you, even if those steps are indirect. So, for instance, I definitely mm. killed – I had a, a moment where I was like a friend of mine came under attack. Uh, it was kind of like random events pop up on the map as you're going about your jobs. And I went to one of these random events. I was like, oh, my friend is under attack. And it was like a, a bounty hunter or a cop or something. And so I fought them back. And in combat, when you knock a character down to their final HP, like down towards their last HP, they surrender. And you have a choice. Do you kill them or not? And I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm here for my friend. I got my friend's back. Do not roll up on on Vellum or whatever <laughs> the person's name was. And I killed yep. this bounty hunter. And immediately it was like, so-and-so, uh, you know, doesn't like this. I think it was in a public place also I think this is like I should have just done this oh, no. uh, but the You're way the that market. they in, right the way that this it, this influenced me was from then on at the beginning of every conflict I had a fucking argument against me on the en- on the enemy side that was like don't trust this person don't trust me don't trust Austin huh. the beginning of because everyone was like spread the word far and wide don't fucking trust Austin and so that was something I had to deal with Every fucking time at the beginning of every fight was every like negotiation was they had an argument in play already that would do a certain amount of damage because they'd heard that I was a fucking killer. And they were right. I did kill that person. <laughs> um, uh, but also, if you kill someone, you also can get stuff that is useful f- to you because you get a reputation that is like, oh, they don't, they're a bounty hunter who doesn't take shit. They're out here for real. And maybe you get a card added to your deck that increases your chances of like pulling a, a more powerful attack or whatever, right? So, like, there are, there's a really cool both deck building side and also social simulation side. 
And it's early enough that I think that the social sim stuff is going to get more interesting. Um, you know, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I've that has been really cool so far has been like being in a place where I am going to get into a fight, but I, there's a friend of mine already in that place, like at the docks. I already made friends because I helped someone like not have to pay their debt off to the mob. You know, I I, I pushed the mob away and let them. And so now, if I get jumped on the docks, that friend is going to come in and, into the fight with me or, or whatever. Right? Um, the world is just so cool and stylish. It's very much like if you like. Like the the old um, Star Wars, like tales tales from Jabba's palace yes. or tale, tales tales yeah. of the bounty hunters, like that style of outer rim Star Wars, you know, scum and villainy type shit. The <laughs> world of Griftlands is one hundred percent that. Yeah. It's also just so stylish because it's all of that great clay animation and character design. Mm. Um, it oh, can that be, sounds really fun. It can be a little yeah. intimidating because it's a card game, and I know a lot of people don't play sure. those, but it's worth trying. Um, because it is just like, I think it's a, it's an easy enough card game to get into for your first run because it starts you with a deck, you have your attacks, you have your defenses, you go through the tutorial and I bet you can like find enough in the world and the characters to, to like, like it. Um, it's very much so under development. There are like more character classes slash characters to be added. Mm-hmm. Kata, you and I talked about this in relation to Nowhere Profit and yeah. that it is a game that has a story that like has, you're kind of going through a number of days as a given character and as they release new characters, they'll have their own story build outs. Right. So also no rush. Like this game is going to be in development yeah. probably for the next year before it gets a full release. Um, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, if you're like, ah, oh, maybe I'll wait until it comes out. Yeah, go ahead and wait until it comes out on Steam. Like that's, if that's a thing you want. It's 15 bucks on yeah. the Epic Game Store right now. Um, I really like it a lot. I think the character design is, is fantastic. Also, and, they, they keep mentioning, because people keep asking, but uh, if you do buy the one yes. on Epic Now, the yes. early access, you'll get the full release on either Steam or Gog or Pumble yeah. or something. Yeah. Is that... You, you, you get an option for nice. a, a different storefront if you want it, yeah. That's cool. Awesome. I'm excited to try it out. You should, as I'm, someone who has been in this, like, card game rut with yeah. me, you're just, like, bouncing from yeah. game to game, <laughs> I, you should you should try it. It's really cool. I installed that and... Uh, and played Fire Emblem uh, instead. No, and I <laughs> I installed... Uh, I, I, I only played Fire Emblem last week because I was in a cabin, so... I. Brought my Switch, but my gotcha. laptop is a Mac, so I can't play gotcha. uh, PC games. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I got back, I installed that and Dragon Ball Fighters because Evo happened, and it happens every year when I watch Evo. I was like, all right, I'm going to hop back into <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Dragon Ball Fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm bad at that game still. Fighting games are hard. <laughs> okay, fighting games are hard. <laughs> I watched some I, Evo was obviously the week before but I'm curious Kato yeah. if you while you were out like I, I didn't oh, yeah. even bring up Evo stuff because I felt like you were the person on my timeline <laughs> in this group that actually watched Evo stuff Yeah, we're now a week away but is there any lingering memory that you're like super into <sighs> I mean overall it felt bigger this year in a way like it or like not not just like as far as like attendance or anything but like also like it felt like there were more eyes on it yeah like more people are paying attention mm-hmm. to evo each each year as it it feels like it's getting bigger and bigger um my a couple favorite moments uh the fact that sonic fox was in two grand finals <laughs> that guy Good. is amazing uh and also like really enjoyed the the, the grand final set for uh smash uh, my game, 
which even <laughs> as much as I play that game when I watch Pro Smash, I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> like, I'm is just that, gonna put this is that down. like the difference between casual, your casual <laughs> yeah, play, or yeah. your like dedicated casual play, right. and their like hardcore top tier play. Don't understand half the things that are happening on the screen at one time just because it's so it's i don't understand how they're even moving the characters that quickly it doesn't make sense it's like not like to the point of wave dashing or anything but it does look it looks faster than any game i play even like online with other people right but um the the last set was amazing uh they went uh uh, um mk leo uh who was playing joker yep uh came out of losers uh was down 2-0 so like the uh, I forget the other player's name. Uh, Fuck, what was it? I watched the set too. It was really good because yeah, he only needed one more win yeah. and to close it out, and then MK Leo came back and reset, which means he won three games in a row after that, and then won another three on top. It was wild. Um, it just felt like he after those first two like kind of setup rounds like completely downloaded the other guy's yeah. strategy. It was really fun to watch. Uh, it was a like, Tweak? Tweak, Tweak, yes. who was playing Pokemon Trainer. Pokemon Trainer. Which was a which, really fun set of fights. Yeah. Also, Pokemon Trainer, I think, is always really fun to watch because of the... the So mm. that, that one is... It's three Pokemon. It's Squirtle, which is small, light, and fast, but very easy to uh, get KO'd. And then there's uh, a kind of medium in Ivysaur, who's... Um, not as fast, hits harder, uh, has a lot of good aerial moves. And then there's the last one, which is Charizard, who's very heavy, so harder to knock off stage, um, but also much slower uh, stuff, um, wind up. And it was really interesting to watch uh, when uh, Tweak would decide when to switch to certain characters in risky moments, but it paid off. Like, he's going to go for Squirtle to get a really good combo off because he's much, Squirtle's much faster, but if Squirtle got hit once, that would have been it for that life. So um, it was really, really cool to see the, that high-level play. Uh, yeah, Evo's great, and if you, haven't, <laughs> if you didn't watch it, like, the VODs are up. Uh, the, the, I would have suggested the top eight for most games. Um, except Sam show, I guess, which was unfortunate. Oh my god, we don't even need to get into it. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fuck, fuck infiltration gotcha. is what I'll yeah. just say. Yes, the person who won Samurai Showdown gotcha. uh, was con- convicted on was. <sighs> I believe Check that I'm I think it was convicted. I think it was at domestic the very abuse least charges. Abused oh, and charged shit. with. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know how. No, that convicted. Came out. The convicted. Word, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Convicted. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why anyone let him back into any official tournaments. Uh, the rest of the games in the top eight of that set were great. Like that game is actually also very interesting. It's, uh, it feels. It's You're talking about Sam show. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, uh, it's like very. Uh, it's very different from a lot of the other uh, games you're seeing because it feels like there's less it's less about combos it's all about the neutral game it's all about foot season right. like spacing and like having that spacing exact because like one or two hits and like you're getting half of your like bar uh half of your health bar taken out you know that sort of thing um so it was a, it was an interesting watch especially because it, it just looks so different from everything else on the evo stage but uh yeah fuck infiltration <laughs> fuck infiltration yep Anything else popping off right now in the world of video games or your or your lives? What else do you want to do? You want to talk about anything else? Are we are we 
all tapped out. I have a question that I would love to ask people from the question bucket yeah. that's been on my mind. Yes. And I, I just didn't know if there was other stuff before we get to my very important question. <laughs> I think we should go to your important question. If you have questions, you can send them in to gaming at vice.com. This one comes in from Tommy, who says, Hey, Waypointers, first time, long time. What does a perfect tea time look like for you? (laughs) In accordance with the rules of tea time, what three conversation topics are going to, quote, draw you into the conversation? Optionally, what conversation options are going to leave you, quote, not very interested? For bonus points, what is your favorite type of tea? We're now, of course, referring to Fire Emblem Three Heroes. Perfect tea tea time mini game. Perfect tea time. Perfect tea time. (sighs) I haven't been able to do one of those yet. Really? Okay. Go ahead, Rob. Are you there? You're not not gonna get Dadu that way, my friend. (laughs) Oh (laughs) shit! Oh, can't you can't keep serving up bricks for conversation (laughs) topics? Oh! Oh my god. Wow. So, Daydu, uh, what do you think was the punishment befitting the Dusker people? <laughs> oh, damn, weird. This oh, has gotten tense. I, uh, ooh, uh, boy, ooh. I should have I should have read my notes before sitting I, down. I'm really sorry. <laughs> the difficulty here is most of the things that are going to get me are not going to be topic-based. Because I can think of as many times when someone has, like, tried to butter me up based on being like, you like giant robots, right? And, and just completely <laughs> falling on their faces doing it as people who kn- like actually connect with a specific topic that I like. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So it's tough so assume to this is somebody who is engaging, right? Assume this is someone who has engaging things to say about these three topics. Why should I assume that about anyone? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I guess so. Well, right? I get the I guess best answer right. of this that's question. True. That's true. Right? Assume <laughs> that they that they will that they will actively hit the topic in a way that's interesting because the only differentiation here is the topic. Right. Hmm. Right. So giant robots. <laughs> one. Some people can effectively talk to me about, about mechs in the way that I like to be talked to about mechs. Uh, like, you know, whether that is like, hey, here's interesting stuff about about particular series that you're interested in, or if that is like talking about the philo- the philosophical and political ramifications of, of telling stories about giant robots. Um, uh, that's one. That's the easy one. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Two, it's probably video games. Like I can be broad <laughs> enough that like yeah. in Fire Emblem, one of those things would have been video games. <laughs> Actually, just games in general, because yeah. it's broader than video games. I think if you picked, if on the screen it was like games, video games, and a third thing, and you picked video games over games, you would lose points. Oh, damn. Like, in, if yep. it was prioritized <laughs> that way, it would not be. It might be acceptable, but you wouldn't get the double support up option. Um, mm-hmm. Shit. And the third one would be, oh, because this is the thing, is like the Fire Emblem stuff doesn't always, it isn't just like, monks church sometimes it's like a curious fact and so that would be (laughs) the third thing would be like a curious fact like a thing you know that you know i don't know something interesting about the world uh so the third one is atlas obscura (laughs) Uh, no just like that's that style of like a fact about the world facts about the world is maybe what it would be um, stuff I don't know about that's like an interesting a ton of it yeah but not just general like specifically so maybe this is like 
world history or culture or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm. Like, you know, anthropologies, perspectives on different cultures that I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, the one that I'm like bored by or I'll probably also perspe- or predictable because it's just like stuff you know I don't like, like SEO <laughs> or uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what else? <laughs> You know, stuff <laughs> Rob's like that. face right now. Uh, yeah, Rob is laughing <laughs> quietly. Rob's face. Uh, I'm just being honest. All. It's not a. Don't bring that shit to tea time. I'll go to the meeting. I'll pay attention during the meeting. I'll come up with SEO lists in the meeting. He did not go to the meeting. I did go to the meeting. It was a di- you didn't go to the, the first meeting. The first meeting was just me, Emmanuel, and Jason. There was another meeting. That's I didn't the good go meeting. To. That was not the good meeting. Yep. That meeting was also bad. <laughs> So everyone was doing their jobs well, but it was a. I didn't enjoy can't that have meeting. A good tea time with SEO. You can't uh-huh. have a good tea time with SEO. Um, SEO tea. I don't know maybe. what my perfect tea is. It depends on how sick I am when I'm drinking it. If I'm not sick at all, sure. it's probably something light and fruity. I like a nice peach. I like I like stuff like in that space. But when I am like congested. And I just want like I just want there to be a black. I want chamomile. I want there to just be like a very fragrant, um, floral aroma. Like gives me a better feeling than um, a mint tea when I'm sick. You know, mm-hmm. I think I, what I'm saying is Fire Emblem Three Houses really needs a new mechanic that determines how sick the person is <laughs> that you're asking to sure. tea and how badly they need their whole nasal situation to be cleared out. Also, I don't know shit about tea. I know I've tried a bunch of teas, but I have friends who are like tea aficionados and I'm not one of those <laughs> yeah I mean fair do y'all have perfect tea times in mind I, I just have to say Kim Kelly friend friend of the show yes. and awesome human being one of those tea aficionados really I didn't know in that in case you Kim. didn't know Kim is like huh. super into like you know special teas very very into them interesting special tea. came in handy special whenever teas. I was sick yeah. when she was here so So I guess, like, if you can guarantee a really good chamomile, yeah, like, but like it's legitimately like, bad good. chamomile is basically might as well not be like it might as well just be like hot water, hot water, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but a really good chamomile is something special that I really enjoy. Uh, but it is it is hard enough to find that like I tend not to chance it. Mm. Uh, so I go with something a little more like I, I tend to go with a black tea that's maybe a little more flavorful and can be modified with, you know, it takes, it takes a cream and a little dollop of honey. Okay. No problem. Uh, so like an orange, uh, uh Pico, uh, for instance, if, if, that, if I'm pronouncing that right, tends to be a good, a good go-to tea for me. Um, and then in terms of topics, I am always down for a good conversation about what does it mean to live well? What like, like what is the proper, what is the proper way to live one's life? I can talk about that all day long, provided you don't suck. Uh, (laughs) That that conversation is really bad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like if, yeah, if you're just talking to somebody terrible, like that conversation immediately, you just have to jump out the window, uh, and you know, hit the shoot. Um, (laughs) yeah. So like, basically like you can't have a perfect tea time with somebody bad. Like all this, all this stuff presumes that someone is, is roughly a good conversation partner who you will be able to stand by the end of it. Uh, yeah. So life well lived, good topic. 
um, obscure military and political history. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Give me that. Touches on philosophy. Touches on, uh, you know, military history that I can really get into. But I don't want to, I, like, I don't want to talk about, like, Stephen Ambrose books. Like, if you're <laughs> going to be bringing, like, hey, you read Band of Brothers? It's like, yeah, when I was, like, 10. <laughs> um, uh, and then sports politics. Sure. And that can yep. be the politics of sports or that can be the politics within sports right. around, you know, trades, career maneuvers, et cetera. Helmets, for uh, instance. So, <laughs> whether, yep. <laughs> so what helmets, for instance, whether or not actually uh, Antonio Brown has a good argument, which he might. He apparently. might. He might have a good argument. <laughs> like, apparently it's not that apparently his helmet is uncertified only because it's old, but might actually still be fine. They just no longer certify helmets that old. Yeah. Who like. Who knows? Who knows? But see, this is the stuff I could talk about all day long. It's very funny. Over tea. Over a nice orange Over a nice, yes, exactly. But if you're somebody who's like, Antonio Brown should get out there and play fucking football. For that kind of money, I would, and I'll be (laughs) like, oh dear, I finished my tea and I must go. I think it's more of, you might throw your tea upon them Mm. if it's that bad. Yeah, I think you, you, that is a conventional enough badness, though, that you got to be able to just like peace out. Like that's yeah. not tea throwing because otherwise you just be running up on people throwing tea on them right and left. If, like if that was your <laughs> button, wrong. you would just be out there like there'd be a warrant out for you. You'd be like the tea splasher or something like that. Because like, <laughs> oh, man, somebody's got like a shitty regressive take about sports. Yeah, I you please give me the hottest tea, tea, tea Earl Grey hot. I must go right this wrong. Like, God. no. No, I'm not wired that way. True, true. Kato, Danielle. Kato, uh, do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. Please. I like green tea. Okay, I like green tea. I like green tea. Um, I also like... This counts. I like kombucha. Okay, does that count? Yeah, it's Uh, tea. It's tea! Uh... It's, it's the same tea. way yogurt is no, made of that's milk. Bullshit. Yeah. Uh, it, no. It's, still, it's a tea it's drink. It's made with that substance. It's a tea drink. I don't know that it's tea. You can't it's do tea. that. You can't do that. If you invited me out to tea and what you were really inviting me out for was kombucha, <laughs> I'd be you like, this to. is not the same. This. Why didn't you say, do you want to get some kombucha? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will more often than not, and this has to do with the weather, but- Will ninety nine percent of the time go for a cold drink over a hot drink? No, I get that. So, wait, cold, including coffee? Yeah, iced latte. Oh, yeah. I like a nice cold latte. I'm with you. Hell yeah, but I'm I like, with you. I like a hot brew. latte. Even with you, sometimes in hot weather. Like, like I, I make, we were back in. Remember, I was like it was between seventy and eighty this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. We're back in hot latte for me. Yeah, yeah I no, say that I'm as still, I drink a nice coffee. Yeah, but. I was gonna say. I'm still. I'm still straight in. Put ice in my drink, please. Um, You're from no, Florida. I prefer ice I'm all year round. I'm Everything has to be cold. Right. I also run hot. <laughs> like even sure. in like seventy degree weather, I'll be sweating. In, in, in if I'm in the sun too long, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. But if I have to go to warm tea, which I do take uh, partake of in the winters, partake of a warm tea in the winters. <laughs> Green tea is more go to get off the podcast. <laughs> uh, um, is this is this a warm beverage in the? Win- I love to partake. 
Is this? This is my favorite. Is this, God. This is tea. This is tea. Also, can I just say chamomile, not tea? What? What do you mean it's not it's a tea? An, oh it's an boy, infusion. It's an infusion. It's not tea. It's got doesn't got you, tea in you're it. You're kidding me. No. First of all, huh. first of all, chamomile pops up in Fire Emblem. So yeah, I know, I know, I know. People fine. call it tea. It's People legit. call it tea. It's legit. It's legit. But tea is a specific type of plant. Mm. You do not get to say. I love that. Oh you yeah, I uh-huh. serve kombucha. <laughs> but oh boy, chamomile. Look, look kombucha off. is made like, from black tea. Move. Kombucha is made from black tea. Chamomile isn't tea. It's an infusion. It's a flower infusion. It's an herbal tea. Is what it's you're an saying. herbal. T- yeah, it's not. There's no tea in it. People call it tea because you make it the same way you make tea. What, is there another word for it? Uh, besides an infusion. An inf- no, yeah. but an infusion's too broad. If I say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have an infusion later, <laughs> you might think that I'm, like, about to become, like, a, herbal, robo- an herbal a robot infusion. cyborg. An herbal infusion. Yeah, you might be <laughs> stem cell infusion. Exactly. Right, who knows? All right. That's why people say tea. I'm just saying teasane. Or tisan, apparently. Tisan? T-S-A-N-E-S. Oh, interesting. T-I-S-A-N-E-S. Tizan. 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 An herbal tea. Uh, archaic, a medicinal drink or infusion, originally one made with barley. Ooh. Uh, um, so then I'll just change yeah. this, this question to be a tea or, or tizan. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Um, so I guess uh, that's the topic. The difference between tea and tizan. That's I'd it. be into, into talking. You know what? Actually, in general, the conversation got lively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. in, in general, facts about the world. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. I want to learn. This Here is what I'm talking about. <laughs> in general, are. any sort of semiotic conversation, right. I find really interesting oh, well, because I'm bad at I'm bad at parsing things a lot of the time, and I'm very interested in what other people think words mean. Right. You know, like <laughs> sauces, for instance. <laughs> For instance, God, oh boy, yeah, no, agreed. Damn the conversation it. did get lively. I think it that did. It was fun. There was there were some disagreements, but that's still good conversation. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I too also would I can talk about games of any sort forever. Um, although I don't know, I'm having trouble with the third one though. But probably Pokemon. It, well, I that's like say, more specific you like? under. True. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I feel like I think what it would be is probably, and this is this has to be a certain type of person too. If the person is not somehow in implicated in a career choice or work that is uh, kind of like unethical in a way where I can enjoy hearing someone talk about their work. Like when somebody's really mm-hmm. enthusiastic about a thing that they do as a career, that always is kind of interesting to me. Um, yeah. But I can only really be on board if that career isn't also like, yeah, I'm like an exec at Amazon or something, right? So barring right. that, right. in right. general, the thing that you are most dedicated to and are enthusiastic the about. The other person's passions. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. Is there a thing that you would yeah, not? Is there a thing that would like, wow? Wow. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm just, uh, I mean, here's the thing. I'm bad at talking to people in general. Yeah. So here's, what happens, it's less, it's less, it's less, they also have to be 
uh, interested in talking more than me. <laughs> in general, for so all there's these just like things. someone. So is that topic then like, tell me about you, right? Yeah, and yeah. Like if, they, if you throw it back on me too much, I'm like, I don't want to have as much to say. I feel like, right? But I'm. I feel like I'm better at bouncing off someone who has more to say, or like, I don't know. I feel you. yeah. Rob? Conversations are hard. What were you? About well, the thing add? that goes wrong in Fire Emblem is you'll be like, "Oh, I know this thing about this person. Surely they'll be interested in talking about it." But instead, uh-huh. you get like a blah, no. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, do you have the s- same thing that I do, kind of with like some military history, where it's like, "Yeah, I'm into that," but like on a, probably a slightly more serious level than you are. Like, is that you for art history? Like, somebody's like, "Hey, I want to <laughs> talk about art." Are you like gripping the armrest and being like? Oh boy, I don't think you do. No, you I, th- know. I think you. I think you want to. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like. I just feel like a lot Nighthawks, of huh? art history is. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, conversations about art are interesting in I think contemporary circles. Like, but I feel like I'm way too out of my element at this point for that. Not that there isn't, you know, revisionism happening in our history all the time, but a lot of it does feel like, at least if you're talking to me about shit that's already in the history books, like, that's not ever going to be interesting again. It's like, this has already been talked to death about. If there's something new, something that has been missed by history, that'd be cool as hell. Um, But I feel like in order to be, I feel like that almost falls into the, like, someone's got to be in that career and passionate about it to know that much about that topic for it to be interesting. Right. Like that kind of falls into that sphere, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'd be interested in hearing about people's like, this is the art I saw recently, but art, art, art history as it stands is generally just like, you know, it's, I've, I've done, I've, I've learned it for so long that it's like, it's it's less interesting because the, it feels so kind of unfortunately in a way uh, solidified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Daniel, <clears throat> I need to know what would make your perfect yes. tea time. I love. I adore a good iced mint tea. Ooh. I almost never sweeten tea or coffee, but a little. This is a treat. This is tea time. So, like a little gently sweetened with some little tiny touch of honey, little tiny bit of like raw sugar, just something nice, very light, like a delicious, refreshing, very minty iced tea. That's the way to my heart. It's right there. It's beautiful. Uh, and I will say, like Kato, iced. I prefer iced all year round. Like. Cold brew. That's what I drink all year round. I just Hell like yeah. it. It's strong. Hell it's yeah. good. It gives mm, right Love there. That shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Well-made cold brew is just. It's oh. Uh, the three topics. And again, this is assuming somebody who is both engaging and you know uh, interesting and has something to say about these things. It's not just somebody sidling up and being like, "Who?" Blah blah blah. Like the you know baseline kind of thing, but. Immersive Sims and like it's sort of game design generally, uh, but yeah. of course towards my favorite genres, immersive Sims and 3D platformers, and uh, I you know I would take any kind of like good fun game design discussion 
Uh, I'm just endlessly fascinated. No matter what I know about this industry, no matter who I know, no matter what I go to, no matter what I make in you know, crappy little games in my own time, I'm just endlessly fascinated by the process of like really interesting game design and the way that designers have come towards certain decisions in any given well-produced project is like all day, every day. I could be fascinated by this. So uh, any any of those discussions. Uh, of course... We'll say jujitsu. We'll say, uh, especially like we can say combat sports, but uh, especially like women in MMA and uh, Brazilian jujitsu. Like anybody in grappling, anybody in uh, jujitsu. I could talk all day about that. I would enjoy a good discussion with another jujitsu player and like how your game is evolving, how my game is evolving. Oh my god, these things that I'm I'm so I'm able to do now that I couldn't do six months ago. Like that's right. never not fun uh, to kind of have one of those. And uh, for my third one, this is dorky and also pretty broad, but similar, Austin, to your feelings on like, oh, interesting facts about the world. I I get that way about like very, very similarly, like cool science facts like Mm. this, this cool thing about the moon, you know, like this cool thing about space travel, this cool thing about, you know, the way in which trees can grow in certain conditions, like weird Interesting science facts are are that for me, absolutely, 100%. And the thing that is, like, the ultimate killer for me, especially... So there are, like, vanishingly, vanishingly few people I feel comfortable enough to have, like, a really in-depth political discussion with. Because political discussions, obviously, are useful and necessary in uh, all aspects of life. But there are so few that aren't either insulting my intelligence or somebody just trying to prove that they know more than me or, or just getting really, really, really um, painful. Uh, those That would really be, if, if somebody I don't know, somebody I don't know where they're coming from and I am just at the point in my life that I'm at, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't need to talk about this with you. I'm going to have uh, my delicious tea and I'm going to run really <laughs> fast in the opposite direction. <laughs> well, I hope that we all... <laughs> get our own perfect tea times in the future. I hope that if you're listening at home, you also get a perfect tea time. You deserve it. We all deserve a perfect tea time. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. On that note, I think we should wrap things up and maybe we should go get some tea because it's lunchtime (laughs) and I could eat and drink some tea and snacks. That's what we're doing for lunch now. We're just going to get tea tea and and snacks. snacks. (laughs) Uh, Tea and snacks. You can follow everything we do. refreshment. Dot vice.com twitter.com slash waypoint follow me on twitter at austin underscore walker Cotto, how about you at a underscore Cotto underscore appears rob at rob zachney and danielle at danielle ri as always thank you to bowen for letting us use the track miss you off the ep pale machine find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash b-o-e-n uh and tune in later this week well i think we're gonna try to we're gonna try to do waypoints again this week we're gonna try to get back to our waypoints, our regular ass, regular waypoints <laughs> episode. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, until then, Danielle, what do we say to him? Be good and be good at it. Peace.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You guys want to talk about the ghosts we think are haunting this monastery? Oh, That's always oh. a good, good barn burner. That's a good one. Talk. I love that. I love to talk about the ghosts. ghosts. Uh, cute, cute nights that you, you might like. Bad dates. Yeah. Classic Manuela <laughs> conversations. Uh, Bad dates. It's tough, though. Like, it's 50 50. Like, yeah. either that kid's going to love ghosts or they hate ghosts because they they're convinced they're, they're real. Ghosts. Yeah. yeah. You're like, totally. want to share some ghost stories? And it's like, a ghost killed my family. <laughs> it's like, damn. Damn, fuck. I didn't know. I no. should have I checked your character sheet before I. <laughs> yeah. I should have looked at it said where it says, hates ghosts because they killed my family. <laughs> Interests, not oh. ghosts. Anything but ghosts. Yeah. All right. Looks like my recording is good. Yes. All Everything right. looks okay on my end. Thumbs up. Can cool. do time. Let's do. Uh, let's do. Or when you're there, you're at time. Buddies. Let's do just to do forty. It's coming up. It's right there. Okay. okay. I had a skip too, but. It felt right. It felt all right. I think all we right. got it. <laughs> it felt good. When you're on the beat, it doesn't matter if it skips. <laughs>